Welcome to Talking Sports with Sports Programming, a podcast of the sports programming class at Arkansas State University's Creative Media Production Department. Now, let's talk sports with the sports programming class. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bevo with your host Seamus. This week we're going to do a little recap first of your Longhorn Athletics. First off, your Lady Longhorns volleyball team split with Baylor this past weekend, beating them in three sets on the first game and taking their first loss of the season in three sets. So they now are 18-1 and and will play the University of Oklahoma in Austin Thursday and Friday. Next up is your soccer team. Your soccer team coming off a coming off a pretty good weekend at the Big 12 Championship in Round Rock. They defeated Oklahoma in the quarterfinal with a score of 5 to 2, and they defeated West Virginia in the super in the semifinal in two overtimes on a penalty kick, and they dropped to TCU in the championship with a score of 1 to 2. So, they will start their NCAA first round tournament at SMU November 14th, Sunday at 1 o'clock in Dallas. Your men's basketball men's basketball team opened up the season with a win over Houston Baptist with a score of 92 to 48. And they will take on the number one ranked Gonzaga Zags Saturday, November 13th at 9.30. And that'll be a pretty good matchup. This is a top five matchup. Your Longhorns going in ranked number five and going in to Gonzaga, which ranks number one. And now on to the gridiron. Another similar disappointing week with your Longhorns football team dropping to Iowa State 7-30. This game was it was just it was just a lot of mixed emotions, just a lot of uncertainty going on in this game. Kind of wondering where the Longhorns Longhorns are at this part of the season. Bijan Robinson and defensive standout DeMarvion Overshone both leaving the game with injuries. Should be minor. We're gonna hear more about that later in the week. But don't think it's anything to be too stressed about as we host Kansas this Saturday at 6:30, and that should be that should be a guaranteed lock. But with the way we're playing, um, I'm not really sure what to expect right now. But um, this past week's Iowa State game, I'm I mean we were going in, we were the underdogs, of course, after blowing three leads. But you know, at least this time, I mean, we didn't blow the lead. We never had the lead, so you know, I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird thing going on right now in Austin. I think everybody else in the Longhorn Nation is kind of sitting around wondering what's going on and if Coach Sark knows what he's doing and if he really has a grasp on his team. Um, uh, important statistic out: um, the past three head coaches in Texas all started out at four and five, from Charlie Strong to Tom Herman to now Steve Sarkeesian. They were all four and five in their opening year. So hopefully we don't go down the same route as them two before, and hopefully we can get things turned around. A um, little bit of drama going on in the team right now as defensive co- defensive coordinator Bo, something's I think something's been going on down there. I think some people have been questioning what he's been doing, and I think he's made a couple mistakes. And I think everybody's kind of looking at him. Well, there's a lot to look at right now. You know, we uh, we still have a problem there at quarterback, and that doesn't help when we don't have an old line to protect him. Our defense is really lacking. I mean, they haven't been playing as worse as a typical Big 12 team has been, but is a funny start about this game. Quarterback Casey Thompson only made six passing attempts before coming out and being replaced by freshman Hudson Card. And you remember Hudson Card, you know, he was week one starter, won the big game against uh, Louisiana 
and then came out and lost his job to Casey against Arkansas. And Casey never went back in the game. Hudson finished out the game, and there was rumors going around that uh, Casey didn't have any attention going back in the game, like on himself. Like, I don't know if he was called upon or talked about being called upon, but they said that he was never going to come back into the game. So that's, I mean, that's not the attitude we need right now. Um, I think a lot of this, a lot of the big problems are the boosters over there on university. Uh, they've, they've, in the terms of getting big, too big for your britches, I think they kind of have been. You know, they've, I think money's kind of gone to their heads and they can't really develop a program right now with everything that's going on. So I don't, Steve Sarkeesian also said that he's going to try and bring in the philosophy standpoint last week and the week before against Baylor. And I, I understand what he's saying and I, I kind of I kind of agree with him, but I mean, we got to have results. I mean, we can say all we want to in press conferences, but we're not getting results. Now, on the plus side, we have a fairly easy out schedule. We got three more games left in the regular season. All unranked opponents should be, should all be wins. But I mean, with this team right now, who knows what could happen? And on the bright side of this, of this, all the, all of our losses except this past week's were all within one score. So I mean, within one touchdown, and we're easily, you know, one loss, two loss team. I mean, lost to Oklahoma by a score. Oklahoma State, Baylor, all by one score. And I think after those three games, I think we got guys went from playing with a chip on their shoulder to kind of playing with their suckers in the dirt. So I think they're kind of, you know, they've kind of given up, you know, can't have no chance for the Big 12 championship. So I think that's what we kind of did against Iowa State. So, you know, we need to at least get two more wins so we can get a bowl lock. We're four and five right now. We've got to have six wins to be bowl eligible. And if we don't make bowl eligible, don't make a bowl game, I don't know, you know, Steve Sarkeesian could be under some pressure, you know. Them guys over at Texas in the main office, you know, they're very impatient. And they're, like we've seen in the past, they're not afraid to get rid of somebody in a heartbeat if they don't like them. So, coming up against Kansas, you know, Kansas has been struggling for years to come. But, um, I mean, they could they could very easily be a dark horse in this game right here. I know a couple weeks ago they almost beat Oklahoma. So, I mean, it just depends on what team on both sides show up. If Kansas shows up to play, they could very easily hang with us and play with us all day. But if the Texas team we have shows up and takes care of business, I see no doubt in this even being a close game. But I'm kind of still – we're still going to find out later in the week. We haven't heard anything definite on if Overshone or Robinson are going to be able to play for the Saturday. So we'll keep you guys updated on that. And with the quarterback situation, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. We could see Card or, or Thompson back there. I still think uh, Casey's our guy 100%. He just, you know, being this is his first time, first season, I think he, I think he's going to really uh, stand out against these lesser teams, really find his groove. I mean, he was kind of thrown in there to a mosh pit, playing all these ranked, really good teams. So I think he's going to be able to find his groove, get a little more confidence with going with these next three weeks and be able to lead us to a bowl game and hopefully get us a good bowl win. And that's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you for tuning in to the Bevo, and we'll see you guys next week. Hook them. It's Valeria and this is who, what, and how, women's role throughout sports. This week I'm going to talk about the most influential women in sports. And I'm not going to make reference to the athletes, which are really important, but I've been talking about them in the previous episodes. So this episode is more about the boardroom members, administrators, and coaches. All these women are important. We don't see them out in the news, on TV, on billboards, or even ads but they are behind the scenes, 
They are important in the athlete's careers and development. So let's start. Starting with the boardroom and administration, these are the women's in different roles, but basically they are focused on running the athletic programs, recruiting, setting goals for the players, negotiating contracts, or arranging events and activities. And we have Fatma Samba. She's from Senegal and she is the FIFA Secretary General. She became the first female Secretary General in May 2016. This made her the second most authoritative person behind the president inside FIFA. Since her entrance to the FIFA, they had had above expectations of revenue. Fatma was the perfect candidate at a tumultuous moment in the organization's history. And Forbes named her 2018 most powerful woman in international sports. Next, we have Kim Pegula, CEO and president of Pegula Sports and Entertainment. She became president of both Buffalo NFL and NHL teams. She was the driving force behind One Buffalo, a campaign to enhance the fan experience. This brought a phenomenal transformation for the team franchise and the city. Now she's even part of the NFL Foundation on serving on the Super Bowl and a special events committee. Switching it up to coaches, first we have Valerie Condos, a USA gymnastic coach. She was already USA UCLA gymnastic coach, leading seven national college championships. After being a survivor or Larry Nasser sexual abuse scandal, Miss Ball, as people like to call her, has become an inspirational figure for gymnasts around the country. And one quote that I found that she said, and I really like, is that American gymnast is not going to fall on our watch. We're still going to represent like we always have. And they're doing it beautifully. And this is true. Like, don't let a bad thing happen while you're on the road. Let you fall. Just stand up and keep up and keep back on track with more things to offer to the game. Definitely, Miss Val is an important part in gymnastics and especially an important person for people here in the US. Going all the way to Europe, we have Sylvia Need. She's an important part of women's football. First, she was one of the most successful players, then managers, and coaches since she started coaching in 2016 in Germany. After leading Germany's team to the Olympic gold in Brazil, she became the head of the women's and girls' counting department. Celia was named the FIFA's Women Coach of the Year for a record third time in 2017. She is one of the three women to have both played in and coach in a World Cup. Isn't this amazing? This clearly shows how important this woman is for the sport and how passionate she is about it. Talking about these women is also important because they have roles that can be occupied by men, but they have made something different, something important, something innovative that has taken them there and nobody can take their place. So we have Fatma with, from FIFA's Secretary General, We have Kim Pegula as CEO and president of Pegula Sports and Entertainment. We have Valerie Condos as an inspirational and great USA gymnastic coach. And we have Sylvia Need as the women's football great uh, icon in Germany. I think I've discovered a lot of things throughout this episode and I hope you did too. See you next time for more women's growth throughout sports.
this week's segment of Also Impressive. I'm your host, Andrew Jones, and today we'll be talking about Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors, mainly focusing on Steph Curry's incredible play over this past season, or this current season. Now, the, rec- the Warriors are 18-3, and three, and Steph Curry is, like, pushing them along to this amazing start to the season. He's playing terrific basketball, and every person on the team is contributing something to help them get the lead and the wins time in and time out. That broken 18-3, like I said. So, obviously, whatever they're doing, they're doing right. Steph Curry leads the team with 27.8 points and 1.8 steals a game. So, I mean, great production from him. He's doing great. He is 45.2% from the field. He is 41.2% from three-point. So we got Steph Curry that we all know and love. The three ball is his and his alone. He just goes out there time in and time out and proves to the world why he is the greatest shooter of all time in my opinion. Because this man can go out and make some of the most insane and craziest shots time in and time out. He just sometimes just throws it up and he just wheels it in. And trust me, if I try, you know we're close to the goal. He is an incredible shooter. He has changed the game. He is 94.3% from the free throw line. So, you know, you foul him, you try to stop him from shooting, he just goes to the line and makes the shots there. So, I mean, it's hard stopping a man like this who can just shoot consistently time in and time out. Because no matter how hard you guard him or, you know, you think you have him locked up and bodied in, he just pulls up and it goes in. He's just an incredible shooter. An impressive one at that. He averages 5.7 rebounds a game, 6.6 assists, and like I said, 1.8 steals a game. So, all around, great basketball. You know, on both sides of the ball, he's doing great. You know, he's smaller, smaller size than most in the, in the league right now. Uh, I think he's standing at 6'3", which, you know, average is way taller than most people. But in the league, that's a little sh- below the average. You know, most people in the league are pretty tall. Some, some freaking natures in there like Giannis who insanely tall but with Curry being 6'3 and averaging 5.7 rebounds is incredibly impressive you know little guy going up and getting the ball well not little but compared to the rest of the league little guy and that 6.6 assist is you know still impressive because he's going out you expect him to shoot and then he has the great ball handling abilities and can scan the floor and just make incredible passes time in and time out. Like I said, all-around great player. Now, he's getting some help from Draymond, who, you know, has always been there with him. Draymond leads the team in rebounds with 7.9 again. Assist with 7.7. And blocks with 0.9 again. So, them two right there are combining to be quite the dual threat. Uh, Draymond on the defensive side of the ball and then Steph on the offensive side is a pretty good one-two combo. Because... Draymond is, is doing his thing on defense, getting the boards, you know, helping him with, uh, you know, getting probably the, uh, a good block a game, and it's really proven to be quite the combo, and they are proving why they are such a great team right now. They're looking like the team from all these years ago, when they went back to the finals, back to back to back. Uh, think one more time. I think they went four times. They are an incredible team once again, and it's honestly kind of scary seeing the Warriors get back to where they were. You know, because every team, you know, when, once they started falling off, I, I know a few friends of mine who their team kept getting knocked out by the Warriors were, were pretty happy when they started falling off. But 
this team is doing good and then Clay is supposed to come back. Him and Watson is supposed to come back soon. So you have the two players who also can contribute a lot to the game and help the team even more. So Clay is, is a shooter, man. Clay is an incredible shooter at that. And then Watson is their center, who was excellent when he played, but he got hurt. But now both of them are in the Warriors G League right now, um, getting back used to the game and the high-paced action of basketball. And hopefully they come back soon and uh, you know, help the Warriors even more. I'm not the biggest Warriors fan, but I, I do like watching them play. It's, it's pretty interesting, you know, pretty entertaining, just watching them you know, facilitate the ball pull up from all kinds of crazy positions and, you know, logo shots and, and corner threes galore. They are an incredible team and, honestly, one of my favorite teams to watch. You know, my team is Portland. They haven't been doing so hot this year, but, you know, still watching, you know, Giannis, Curry, KD, you know, you still got interest in entertaining players to watch, but still, entertaining to say the least, watching the Warriors play. They are incredible, incredible talent. And we'll see what happens. I don't know if the Warriors 9 season will start back up. It's kind of looking that way. But I'm sure most teams are pretty scary, and hopefully, hoping that's not the case. But that's going to be all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside with Caleb Neal. I'm your host, Caleb Neal, and today we're just going to jump straight into the topic because I'm feeling a little bit a little bit angry, a little, a little moody, if you could say that. And why am I moody, you may ask? That is because I'm a fan of the Indianapolis Colts. And if you follow football, you know, yeah, the Colts, they've had an up and down season, but for the most part, they're pretty good right now. What are they sitting at? They're sitting at five and five which is three games behind in their division. But, I mean, they're, they're still in the play for a wild card. And that's because the reason I'm upset is because as good as our, as fine as our record is, we're trash. We're absolute garbage. And let me explain. So, we uh, we traded a first-round pick. We're, it probably will be a first-round pick. It's conditional, but it's realistically, it's going to be a first-round pick. We traded a first-round pick and a second-round pick next year for... Carson Wentz from the Eagles, and Carson Wentz had a pretty bad season with the Eagles last year. A lot of that was due to the talent on their roster, the coaching, and he was running for his life out there, so I I was okay with trading for him, but we gave up quite a bit to get him, and so far, he has played super, I I guess the word that I could use for it is uninspiring to me, because yeah, against bad teams, he's been putting up numbers. Uh, Even against the Titans, he put up numbers, and the biggest game of our year, he put up numbers. But when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, he'll do something stupid. Like, throw two interceptions in her have, like, three game-winning dri- uh, drive opportunities against the Titans and throw two interceptions. What are we doing, man? Like, like you've got to be a little bit more poised under pressure, especially if we traded so much to get you. Next, we also our defense, which has been a, an elite defense for years now. Great pieces. Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore. Just great pieces all over our defense. It stinks. It stinks out loud. We've got our great pieces, but we have so many holes in our secondary. Outside of Julian Blackman, our free safety, who's young, talented, ruptured his Achilles, which is probably a big career-altering injury because we've seen Malik Hooker, who was our last free safety before him, 
he tore his Achilles, and he's not been the same since. So we had to let him go and replace him with Julian Blackman, who broke out and then tore his Achilles. So it's very frustrating when our, you know, upcoming safety ends up getting the same exact injury as last time. Not fun for us. Not fun at all. And it's really frustrating when we have him and Kenny Moore, and outside of that, our secondary is absolute cheeks. It's trash. Uh, I'm very frustrated with our season so far. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. We have a lot of pieces to fill. Michael Pittman has been a great, like, breakout this player this season. I said he would break out since he has, but he's basically our wide receiver one. Given the opportunity, he's looked really good. But outside of outside of him, we've still got plenty of pieces on the wide receiver core that we need to upgrade. Because T.Y. Hilton barely plays because he's always unhealthy. Michael Strong looks promising, but we don't play him enough. Uh, Paris Campbell's always hurt. And realistically, Zach Pascal just, he's he's okay. He's an okay receiver. He's an okay slot receiver. But outside of that, we can't really, I, we just can't win with, with our current wide receiver core. Our tight ends are old, not really great at playmakers. They might bust off a touchdown every now and then, but realistically, it's just super disheartening. Our entire weapon situation outside of uh, outside of Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor and not Naheem Hines, which that's a solid. That's our best part of our team. That in our offensive line is our running backs. We have Naheem Hines, who we just extended. Marlon Mack has been okay as a change of pace, pace back. It's really sad. Like, he's not really recovered from his ACL. Was it an ACL? I think it was an Achilles tear. Yeah, he tore his Achilles last season. He's just not been the same. Jonathan Taylor looks like he's just the best running back in the league right now. Him and Nick Chubb because Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey always hurt. Or Derrick Henry has let – me, let me backtrack that. Derrick Henry's not always hurt. He just finally got hurt, and it's going to really throw a wrench in his season. But right now, Jonathan Taylor looks like he's the best back in the NFL. And that's exciting. But what's the point if we have a quarterback who's going to choke the game away every single time? So, yeah, uh, that's really all the segment has because I'm just feeling very ranty today, feeling very upset by my Colts. And uh, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Talking Sports with Sports Programming.